Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. We're uh, heading towards the final stretch in the campaign, uh, the primary campaign. So my guest today is Sam Fine, who's challenging uh, John McDonald for the assembly seat in the 108th. So Sam, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, Cynthia. Thanks for having me on today. So uh, when you decided to run for the assembly, what issues were most important to you? Well, the issues I care about is, well, what I care about most is that people in the, the community that I live in and uh, communities throughout the area are that they all have, everyone has an opportunity and everyone's treated equally and fairly and that uh, everyone um, treated, treated with value, respect, has, uh, you know, their basic needs met, has housing, has uh, healthcare, has food. And, you know, and, and, and I also, the, um, the inequities in this area have always really, um, has really bothered me and disappointed me. And I, uh, and I, and I want to address those. Now, you're running against an incumbent. Uh, running against an incumbent is really difficult. What made you decide to take on the challenge of running against an incumbent? Uh, why do you think his performance has not been up to par? Well, I don't think we can, you know, run away from... Uh, Problem, you know, run away from things that that are difficult. I think we have to take risks and take challenges if we want to make real change. Making real change is not uh, is never easy. Uh, what I see is, uh, you know, the real difference between us is that you know, I'm proactive. I'm I'm a leader who's going to really push for policies that make an impact in people's lives. Champion policies like raising the minimum wage, uh, policies like uh, addressing affordable housing issues, tenant protections. Uh, holding banks accountable to, to make sure that um, to make sure that they're providing loans to, to people of color uh, because there's a long history of discrimination from banks. Ensuring that every, everyone has health care, pushing for a single payer universal health care system. So you know, I, I ran because I believe it's time that we have a leader that's really going to champion these issues and move them forward. Join a coalition of people in the state legislature. Uh, that are not afraid to speak out, not afraid to to call out those in power when they're when they're not doing the right thing. You you have not been in the uh, county legislature too long. Do you think this was too bold a move on your part to decide to uh, go for another office at this point? You know, I think we need people making bold moves. You know, we're not going to really see uh, progress and change if we don't have leaders who are willing to take bold moves. When people are too careful and too calculated, I think that's what people are, are sick of, is business as usual politics, where elected officials are making calculations based on the money that they've raised, who's given them money, who, which, uh, which politicians are telling them to do what. We need to be bold. We need to take action. And, you know, I've served now for four years in the Albany County Legislature. I'm on my second term. I was just reelected. I've learned a lot in that position. A lot of those skills and skills that I learned in the county legislature, I'll take in with me to the state assembly. 
what did you learn um, in the county legislature that will give you a good background if you do um, become elected to the New York State uh, legislature? Well, one thing I learned is how to build coalitions with other members and get a bill passed. And that's something that's very important. I'll use uh, my ban the box bill as an example, which gave people with a criminal history a second chance on county jobs, uh, because that's a bill that um, really important to people in the community that I represent because of the criminal justice system, which is unjust in so many ways, which disproportionately locks up black and brown people. Many people in my district were impacted by this. They have a criminal history and then they are shut out of the job market. Um, they're very difficult to get jobs. So I was able to build coalitions with other members to get support with, for this bill with members who, who uh, represent districts where, where this is not an issue that people are too concerned with or know too much about. And uh, I was able to really ex explain the issue in a way and frame it in a way that made people realize the importance of it and, and, and build those relationships. And that's really something I learned is how to, how to do that. And that's really, you know, that's when you're, when there's 150 assembly members and then there's um, the Senate as well and the governor and you need to, you know, a lot of pieces put together to get a lot passed. You have to be able to, to build those coalitions and really, um, and have a strong message that convinces a, a broader um, group of people about an issue. You, of course, decided to run because you felt that the people of the 108th were not properly uh, represented. What is the incumbent yes. not doing that he should be doing that made you jump in? Yeah, well, I mean, one, as I said, it's about it, kind of an unwillingness to, to speak up about issues, uh, go along to get get along politics. He, he often kind of waits, waits back on issues, is uh, kind of has a careful, kind of calculated approach about uh, very hesitant to support, support issues like legalizing marijuana, which would have a huge impact um, in so many ways on, on constituents in the 108th district. Uh, you know, right now we're talking about, I think we're in a moment of change in our country. There's uh, so much public support to really change and restructure the way we police. And we have to take seize on this opportunity. And, you know, my opponent, um, he, he has now, he, has, he voted for the repeal of 50A, which is great. But, you know, this is an example. We, we should have, we need leaders who are going to have pushed for the real repeal of 50A back when it wasn't so popular, when there was a lot of opposition because we could have got these things passed sooner. That's what we needed, a leader who, who, who pushes forward progressive issues. Now when it comes to, you know, further reforms to policing, you know, we need someone who's going to say, look, in my district, in the 108th district, you have a very large population of black and brown people who, are, who, are, who do not have the same experience, experience with uh, police as I have. I recognize that. And, and uh, who feel often threatened by police. And, we, we need to do better. We can do better. We have to address these issues of systemic racism and we have to, you know, it can be uncomfortable at times, uh, you know, for some people, some people, um, it can be, um, sometimes elected officials are kind of scared to talk about them, but th these are exactly the kind of times when we have to speak out and when we have to really push for change. Now, WCA is a radio station 
um, in in Albany, but your district goes beyond the reach of the radio station. You're in you're you're in Rensselaer County, and you're in Saratoga County. So, yeah, are the are the issues different in other parts of the district than they are in uh, Albany County? You know, some issues are different, some are the same. You know, every community, of course, has its own uh, specific issues, and I pride myself on getting out in the community, different neighborhoods in my current district, different communities in the 108th district, and really listening to people, what their concerns are, and then working to address those issues. But there's also a lot of similarities. You know, you have uh, people, people struggling, people living paycheck to paycheck throughout, throughout this district, no matter what community uh, you're in. You have... Um, you know, a lot of uh, cities that have lost population over the years, have lost jobs, have a lot of poverty, have buildings that are falling apart, and a lack of investment, old infrastructure, uh, and, and don't have enough resources and funding to address a lot of these issues. So you have similar issues in that way throughout the district. So, you know, I think it's about this job is about both finding those similarities and, and working on issues that are going to impact everyone throughout the district, and then also kind of focusing on those individual issues, community by community. For example, in the city of Rensselaer, there's a, a, a landfill directly next to the public schools. It's poisoning the kids mm-hmm. who go to school every day. And so people there are disappointed in, in uh, the current assembly member because uh, they say that, that he hasn't taken enough action. You know, they want that dumb clothes, and they want someone who's really going to push for it, who's going to speak out on it, who's going to find a legislative solution uh, to, to, to make sure that the, the permit isn't renewed, to make sure that the dump closes. So, you know, that's, you know, a specific issue in one community that, uh, you know, if you're the assembly member, you have to make sure that you're doing whatever you can to address. So, you know, when you first made the decision to run, that was like eons ago. Uh, then the coronavirus hit and, there was, you know, people will quarantine themselves and people are wearing masks and not congregating places. Um, so what changes have you made from your first decision to run until now? How much of a difference has it meant to your campaign? Well, yeah, we certainly, uh, you know, when we announced, uh, late January, early February, wasn't it? We were not in a global health pandemic, so that was definitely a surprise. Um, but you know what I found one with the global health pandemic, with the coronavirus. You know, I think what we're seeing is that it, it's deepened a lot of the inequities in our society. It's really exposed a lot of the problems in our society. So a lot of these issues that we were talking about from the start, you know, the, the need for uh, a universal healthcare system. I think that's more relevant now than ever. You know, we're talking about the need for universal childcare. You know, a lot of people now, you know, people starting to go back to work. It's a huge issue for them. We're, you know, talking about the fact that so much of the wealth over the past decades has gone to the few people at the top. And I think that's more clear now than ever when you have a pandemic and you get so many people just living on the financial edge here and government that's not really willing willing to do enough. Federal government that gives people a $1,200 check once and, you know, pretends that everything's okay. So, we definitely have um, 
you know, so I, I think that the pandemic has, has really, you know, it hasn't really uh, changed the issues. Maybe we, uh, you know, talk about them in a, in a little bit different way because we want to connect uh, everything going on, you know, to really to, 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 these, to these inequities and these issues being exposed. But the issues are pretty much the same. You know, now we have, um, you know, people protesting, taking collective action throughout the country, uh, standing up for black lives, pushing for real changes to our policing system. And, you know, that also, um, you know, I, I think this campaign has been about a willingness to, to challenge the status quo from the, throughout the entire time, a willingness to take real action on issues of uh, racial inequities and racial injustices. So, um, you know, we've been uh, now really talking about the, the need to, to change policing, uh, reallocate resources from police, you know, more than the past. But we, we were always, uh, we, you know, we were always talking about the, the, um, the injustice that, um, that, that so many black Americans face in this country and how, how that has gone unaddressed for years. You know, one of the things we've been talking about throughout the whole campaign is the uh, inequities in wealth between black families and white families and the, the large gap in home ownership within the capital region that's larger than the national average and redlining, the history of redlining and discrimination by banks and how that continues to this day. So, you know, we're still talking about important issues like that. We're talking um, more and more about the need to seize on this opportunity and take action and uh, restructure police departments, reallocate resources, demilitarize the police. Uh, you know, but this is, all, this is what um, these types of issues, taking action, challenging the status quo is what, what uh, we've been about from day one. You know, there's, uh, you put the news out and you see people who have been furloughed from their jobs. So in, in your district, in the 108th district, is there uh, more pervasive job insecurity, housing insecurity, and food insecurity. Yes, I mean definitely. There's there's a lot of poverty in this district. There's a lot of people living on the edge financially. So, um, you know, job insecurity. Uh, you know, we found during this pandemic, uh, a lot of people lost their jobs, and uh, a lot of the times, you know, and the other thing is a lot of uh, low wage workers were were the essential workers too. So they didn't lose their jobs, but they were working. There was this um, inequity because they were working through the pandemic, but uh, oftentimes without proper protections, they were risking their lives. You know, I saw an article that a lot of the people delivering our packages, we all became more dependent on ordering on Amazon, ordering online, so that a lot of them were, were getting very sick and some were dying of coronavirus. So, um, and then you had the health disparities where people of color were so much more disproportionately impacted and were, and were, um, have been uh, getting coronavirus and uh, dying at, from higher rates at higher rates. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, all these issues, job insecurity, food insecurity, housing insecurity, definitely. I mean, there, there, I saw estimates at, at one point that I think 50% of people in the capital region hadn't paid the rent. I believe this was in the month of May. Um, so, you know, the, the push, these types of issues often go ignored. Um, it's easy for people in power. If you have people in power and not facing these situations themselves, and if they're being funded by interests that aren't concerned with this, you know, we have to make sure that people who are um, living paycheck to paycheck and are renters 
they don't have you know a voice. They don't have the same voice in government as as uh, as um, you know the real estate industry does. So we need people to speak up for them. You know, we just the state legislature passed a rent relief bill, which which was great, but the problem was it was only it was underfunded. It was based on your need before the pandemic, not on your current need. So a lot of people were left out. So you know, we really um, didn't take uh, the action that we had that we should have taken in this state to address issues of housing insecurity and, and food insecurity and, and, uh, and job insecurity. You know, this is really not what I'm going to ask now is not really a state issue. It's a, a federal issue, but you're a young person and you went to college and there were so many people in your age bracket who have student debt. And a lot of these, a lot of your peers might not have the jobs that they need to pay their student debt back. You know, there's such a thing as housing and food and so forth. So in the event that young people are are not able to pay their student loan debt back, what do you see happening in the future? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, I'm, I am a college graduate. I'm also a student. And I'm uh, racking up more student loan debt. I'm getting a master's in public administration at UAL, and I'm a semester away. So that debt keeps rising. And um, yeah, so many students. You know, I'm probably more fortunate than some. There's a lot of people who have a lot more debt than me. Um, and less less ability to pay it off. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is, you're right, this is the federal government's job. Uh, although, you know, I want to say I, I hate to pass off issues to, to another level of government. You know, it, it, it's generally a federal issue, but that doesn't mean it's, it's not something the state should be looking into as well and seeing if we can play a role in, in reducing debt and also, you know, reducing college, um, making college more affordable. But, yeah, the federal government really has to take this on. I think they need to come up with a plan to relieve student debt, to forgive all student debt. Um, you know, I'm either I'm, I don't have a strong uh, position on whether or not the proper solution is forgiving all student debt or forgiving some student debt for people under a certain income level. You know, I know there's a number of proposals out there. You know, I think they they're, they're good cases for both of them. But the you know, bottom line is, it's it's a it's a real crisis. It's a crisis, and the federal government has to to take action and do something. I mean, it's my generation, I'm a millennial, I'm uh, just turned 30 actually. We're in a lot of, uh, we are in a lot of debt. And, you know, we think it's important to note that we have, um, college is very expensive and it was, it's a lot more money than it was uh, back uh, in previous generation. You used to be able to, to, to work. I know my mom told me she, she worked a job and paid through college by working. You know, you can't work one job and pay for pay for the college tuition anymore. It's just too expensive. Um, so, you know, this is really something that's uh, you know I think it's putting off home ownership for a lot of young people. It's it's really putting people a huge step back. And I think it's a real when you, when you talk to economists, it's a real um, you know problem for our economy as a whole as well. You know, even though it is a federal issue, there's so many people in your district that has been impacted by this problem, home ownership, which you mentioned, 
how are you as a assemblyman going to address this problem? Are you referring to uh, home, expanding home ownership opportunities? Or are you talking about uh, yeah. for young people with, with student debt and having young people buy homes? You're having young people have enough means to purchase a home for themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot of the problem is, you know, as I was talking about, it's the other a lot of it's the other economic opportunities that young people are facing. You know, I think it's part of it um, that young people more than, I think young people on this generation, you know, it's different than previous generations. I think we're often kind of settling down uh, later, getting married, having kids later. And also um, another piece of the, uh, I think another piece of it is, you know, people kind of move around a lot, a lot more. A lot of young people, you know, you used to back in the day. I know you get a, you know, you get a job and you'd often stay there for your for your life. Now people, you know, move around jobs every few years, especially early in early in their careers. But yeah, I mean, a big piece of it is student loans. I think a big piece of it is uh, wages and the amount of the amount people are earning. And you know, wages have been, you know, flat over the years. You know, I'm often talking about wages for. Uh, you know, the person who, you know, works at McDonald's or works at Walmart. And I think that's really the biggest injustice is that you can work at a large corporation that's taking in millions and billions of dollars and you can make, you know, a minimum wage that's right now 1180 upstate, almost no benefits and no paid sick leave and, you know, all these other issues. But it does go across all, all uh, income levels. You know, people, People, middle class people, young people, where you know, oftentimes are not making enough money to be able to save, to be able to buy a home, and the prices of homes have skyrocketed too, in a lot of areas. Not as much in the capital region as New York City, for example, but still they've gone up a lot, and it's unaffordable for a lot of people. And then you know, one of the issues as I mentioned, and I really that that's most important to me is addressing the racial inequities because. Uh, even, you know, we, we passed uh, in the 60s and 70s, just for some context, the federal government passed the Fair Housing Act, the, the Community Reinvestment Act, which was supposed to address redlining and um, discrimination uh, against African-Americans for loans. But, and, you know, it did something, but we still have a huge problem. And when we got a, when that was over 50 years ago now, it's time to take action. You know, banks, I talk to the land bank. I talk to people who want to purchase vacant homes and rehabilitate them. Um, and oftentimes they can't get loans. You know, they go to the banks, they can't get loans. There's clearly a problem. We're having a, a recognition overall in our society, a recognition that a lot of people didn't need, but a lot of people were ignorant to of the amount of, the amount of racism, the systemic racism in our society at all levels, you know, policing and beyond. And so, you know, this is an issue that uh, we have to hold, we have to address. We have to hold banks accountable. Uh, there's a proposal by Senator James Sanders from Queens to create a public bank. We should consider that as well. It's something that, you know, we'll, you know we need a we need a mechanism to ensure that 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 black people and and people of color in general have access to to loans so they can purchase a home, build wealth, build financial stability. So. Um... The, the nature of the campaign has changed, uh, and you're doing a lot of your campaigning on the Internet and direct mailing. 
do you think that is going to make a difference in turnout? Less people will turn out because you haven't walked door to door uh, and met with the constituents. Do you think that this whole thing about, you know, social distancing will make a uh, impact on the results of the race? Um, you know, it's, I would have loved to be able to go door to door. That's that's what I've always done a lot of door to door and just those one-on-one conversations with people. Um, but you know, we found new ways to reach people. This pandemic has forced us all to adjust. So we've made thousands and thousands of phone calls to people and many one-on-one conversations with people just on the phone. And I think because we're in a global health pandemic, I think people are more, uh, accepting of the fact that I'm making a phone call because they get that I'm not going to knock on their door. They wouldn't want me to. And we're, we've used social media and we've been doing Zoom meet and greets and, uh, and, and Facebook Live and, and uh, you know, really figured out new ways to reach people. Ways that I think, you know, will last beyond this pandemic. Obviously, I, I, I hope and I plan that we're going to have in-person meetings and we're going to go back to, to normal in some ways, but we've also learned new technology that allows us connect in different ways. So we, um, you know, it, it was a, uh, definitely a barrier. It was a, uh, something thrown at us that we didn't expect, but we've, uh, like everything we've adjusted and we found new ways to reach people. So I'm feeling very good where we're at going into the last eight days. So how optimistic are you that you could defeat an incumbent? I'm very optimistic. I think, I think we have a really good chance. You know, I think that uh, people, we've been having conversations with people. People are ready for change. Um, people, I think people feel that they, haven't, that they haven't really gotten good representation, that the issues that they care about haven't been addressed, that the communities are very much neglected, uh, that, the, that, that, that we need a leader who's really going to push these issues forward and take action. So, you know, when we, the more we talk to people, the more support we get. Um, and uh, we're, we're feeling very good. You know, people are already voting. Great people are voting by absentee. Early voting started Saturday. Uh, you know, we'll probably still have a very large proportion of people to vote on election day, June 23rd. Uh, you know, we're mm-hmm. feeling very good and very excited about um, the last eight days. So for people who live within the range of who could hear this, where, uh, are the polling places same on the on uh, yeah, primary? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. I'll go over. We should give people a little bit of information. So the polling places are for the for the for the primary day, uh, uh, June twenty third. The Democratic primary is are generally the same. Your your local board of elections may have changed some. You should have got a yellow postcard in the mail. Um, mm-hmm. It says your polling location. You can also go to your county board of election website and, and look it up, uh, either Albany County, Rensselaer County, or Saratoga County if you're in the 108th district. Um, mm-hmm. But keep in mind, we're in early voting now, too. So that started Saturday, yeah. June 13th, and goes through to Sunday, uh, June 21st. And, and this okay. is new to New York. This is only the second year we're doing it, so a lot of people aren't familiar. But your polling locations there are different. There's generally only one or two locations per county. So mm-hmm. to, for, for early voting, I would go to your county board of elections site to see where your location is. 
and the times are different every day as well. It's a little confusing. Okay. I would probably make some changes to the system if I could, but make sure you look it up. Okay, so in our closing moments, Sam, give yourself a little plug and what your, you know, who you are and what your campaign, uh, how they can reach you. Great. Well, I'm Sam Fine. I'm running for New York State Assembly for the 108th District. I'm a progressive Democrat. I'm endorsed by the Working Families Party. I'm currently an Albany County legislator. I represent part of the South End, part of Arbor Hill. I live down the street from WCAA 107.3 on Grand Street, and I've always been a strong advocate for um, for really addressing addressing the um, addressing the needs of the community and putting resources in areas where people are in the most need. Um, you know, I think I, I I really believe that that we we can do a lot better here. That we can create a society that works for everyone, where everyone has an opportunity, where everyone has the needs met. And uh, we're, um, you know, we're always continually pushing forward and pushing for change. So election days in eight days, you can always give me a call, 518-362-8380. Visit my website, signforassembly.com. Again, it's F-E-I-N. And, uh, you know, always happy when people reach out. Thank you so much, Sam. Good luck on, on primary day. You have been listening to Focus on Albany. And if you like this show, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Um, So, Sam, thanks. Good luck. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good day. Thank you, Cynthia.